Hey, good morning. Pastor Steve, I get the chance to speak today. It's a privilege and an honor. Thank you. And good to see you. Good to see you. It's always good to get that worship guide when you come in because it tells you who's speaking. And uh, I read it and I go, oh, that's me today. And then it tells me what I'm speaking about. It's very helpful. <laughs> very helpful. I want to ask a question this morning. And uh, it's this. How does knowing that a full future restoration of your whole person, as well as heaven and earth, how it does, how should that impact you living right now? I think it has a great impact on how we live right now. We've been going through a series called Imago Day, and that means created in the image of God. And the next series, by the way, is on Jonah. And I think it's four books, or four, one book and four chapters. And I'm gonna challenge you before next week to read the entire book. It's only 48 verses, so you can do that. You guys are sharp and sharper than most, okay? You can do it. So the image of God, the image of God. There's certain characteristics that God made us as human beings with that separates us from all of creation. We can reason. We have conscience. We have relationships. We have a soul that lives forever like God. And in that image of God, that means we're also to reflect him and represent him well. We're to look like him, so to speak, in the image of God. So that creates a lot of questions in our society right now, this whole thing about who I am, why am I here, where am I going? If we don't have that rock solid in our heart that we're made in the image of God, those questions can go all over the place. But you hear it, you hear it, we ask them ourselves, we see it in society, is, you know, who am I, why am I here, is this all there is, a few years on planet Earth and then we die? And, People will come together and hopefully say some nice words about us and then they have a sandwich and eat some potato salad and then they're, you know what I mean? Is that it? Is there anything else? If so, what? And they're big questions and they need big answers and those answers will affect how we live right now. And today I get to do some good news. It's fun. We've been walking through these four distinct, almost like acts in the divine drama, creation, the fall, Redemption, and today we're talking about restoration. Restoration, that's the action of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. It's taking something and making it what it once was. Perfect. There's a lot of RE words in the scripture. Redeem, reconciliation, resurrect, restore. RE prefix suggests a return to the original condition again or again and again. It indicates a going back to. Redeem. We were once free, that's how God created us. Satan got us, slavery, he brought us deliverance, redeemed. Reconciliation, a relationship that was great, then it went south, hey, then it comes back again, reconciliation. Resurrection, hey, we were, <laughs> we were created to have life forever, hey, then death came in because of sin, but then you know what? We bring life back again, resurrection, and today restore. In this case, it's back to the original design and plan. All things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. That's his design, Ephesians 1.10. That's his plan. This is what he wants. This is what brings him glory. This is where we're headed. But to understand all of that in the future and how we all fit in and what, what's, what it's going to look like, we need to look back to the original to begin with. And I want us to take a sobering look back for why we are being restored in the first place. We kind of alluded to it in the worship set today as we progressed. Creation, let's look back at creation. Now, I'll tell you what, this topic that we're talking about today is huge, okay? And we're just kind of taking a 30,000 
foot view of it. And there's a lot of directions we could go, but I've kind of chose a direction and I kept using the KISS principle. Keep it simple. No, no, no. No. Yes, keep it simple, Steve. Very good. I don't know where you guys are coming from. <laughs> I heard somebody say, keep it short, Steve. Okay, we'll, we'll do our best. We're not going to take long on the first three. We're going to take some time at the end. Paul and Lonnie did a great job of the first three, but we need to take a sobering look back at creation to make sense of the future. Genesis, we read it this morning. God said, let us make man in our image in his likeness. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. It's interesting, the wording there, if you look into some of the wording there, it actually speaks that humanity was the apex of creation. I mean, this is, this is, this is good. God made everything else uh, on the days before, and then on the sixth day he created man, and he said, this is very good, and on the seventh day he rested. And he placed mankind in the Garden of Eden. Literally, it was heaven on earth. It literally was. It was just perfect. Everything was good. Relationships were great. God and man, man with man, uh, man with themselves, man with creation. There's no guilt, no shame, no death. Beautiful, perfect, forever. It's a great place. And humans were created in the image of God, and it was very good. As I mentioned, characteristics that are different from all else, but in particular were to bear his image, or reflect him, represent him well. I'll tell you, that's a big deal. And I know Paul and Lonnie made it, really stressed it that we see ourselves as image bearers, but we see everybody else as image bearers. Even our friend on the screen earlier mentioned that as well. They're all image bearers. I love focus on the family's value statement about humanity, about the sanctity of human life. We believe that human beings are created by God in his image. Therefore, every person from conception to natural death possesses inherent dignity and immeasurable worth, including preborn children, elderly individuals, those with special needs and others marginalized by society. And we could fill in the blanks, our tough neighbors, people who don't believe like us, people who don't vote like us. We can add all those things. My overbearing boss, my nagging mother-in-law. I hope she's not watching. She's not nagging. She's a great gal. You know what I mean? We can put, we can put anybody in there. Christians, then, are called to defend, protect, and value all human life. Image of God, created with dignity, duty. We're to steward the creation of God to his glory, devotion to God, man, his presence, worship. But then something happened. We refer to it as the fall of mankind, creation fall. Eden was perfect, but you move to Genesis 3 and something took place that was read earlier. The Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden in chapter 2 to work it and to care for it. And he gave him specific instructions. Pretty simple. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. And I don't think there was just two trees. Ooh, do I eat that one or do I eat that one? The place was full, loaded with wonderful stuff to eat. You're free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. Very clear. Shouldn't get that one wrong. You can't say, I don't think I understand. Could you run that by me one more time? Very clear. But man made a choice. We've got Satan that looks like a serpent-like creature. Beautiful, beautiful there in the garden. He comes and talks to Eve and created doubt in her mind. And Adam's standing nearby and creates doubt in his minds. And they took and ate from the forbidden tree. And then everything bad you can think of hit the fan, okay? 
I don't know if you've ever made a mistake in your life. Oh, yeah, you have. But uh, a decision where you go, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I was thinking about some of those things in my life. And oh, my goodness. Why did, I, why did I say that? Why did I make that decision at that particular point? And then the ripple effects. This is one that affected everything. This, this cho- choice changed everything for the worse. Sin entered creation. And death by sin. And relationships on all levels broke apart. There was guilt, there was shame, sickness, disease, the COVID, mentally, physically, socially, spiritually, every realm of God's creation that he had created perfect was impacted. Mankind, plants, land, animals, birds, all of creation. God placed a curse on all things due to man's sinful choice. And one of the things that took a beating was our image, the image of God. It got distorted, it got marred. We once were in a holy position, now we're sinful and hiding and shameful. We once had clean, pure relationships, now there's conflict. We had design, we had dignity, we had duty, now everything's distorted. Now we're hiding from God, now we're shaming one another and blaming one another and we've got guilt and we've got a pull to do evil and creation, all of the creation is affected. In fact, if you read in Romans, it talks about all of creation groans for shalom, groans for things to come back. Almost like a gal who's going to have a baby in, in, the, in the pangs of, uh, of labor. They want that wholeness for which they were created. And the bummer is there's nothing we could do about this. Nothing. Now, you guys have, you're deep thinkers. You go deep places. When I was studying this, this is where I went. Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and then I started looking up about Humpty Dumpty. It's like, it's a drink. I'm not going to say it. Does anybody know that it was a drink? I'm not going to ask that and have you raise your hands. I'm not going to do that. Some say it was a cannon back in history that was placed on the strategic part of the wall and the enemy shot at this Humpty Dumpty was the name of the cannon and hit the wall and it fell over and they couldn't back, put it back up and you know, continue the war or whatever. Others said, no, it was King Richard III back in 1483 to 1485, sort of a portly, portly hunched back, clumsy fella and they kind of made fun of him kind of rotund, overweight, clumsy person. So if somebody calls you a Humpty Dumpty, that's not a good thing. But the, but the story, the little nursery rhyme, something was broken and shattered, and he could have put it back together again. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And I started thinking, man, that's a great little picture of the fall. So I wrote, the couple in Eden had it all. Yet through them, all humanity had a devastating fall. And all the world's thinking and all the efforts of men couldn't, can't, won't put you and I together again. Not going to happen. But thank God it doesn't stop there. God reached out to us. In fact, right in the garden, he says, hey, where are you? He called out. He reached out to him. And that leads us to the next one, creation, fall, redemption. Man, that song last week that uh, they sang, I am redeemed, that's a powerful song. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Delivered, rescued from what was and how. We were rescued from sin, from death, from Satan and his claws in us, from ourselves. Romans 3.23, it's a problem we all have. We all fell off the wall. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you say, well, it can't be. I wasn't back there and didn't make that decision. Boy, in Romans 5.12, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. That's Adam and Eve. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But thank you, Lord, chapter 20, or 6, verse 23 of Romans, the wages of sin is death. That's what comes. That's what we earn. That's what we deserve. Nothing we can do about that. But the gift of God is eternal life 
through Christ Jesus our Lord. I am redeemed. Jesus paid it all. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. So I added one more verse to Humpty Dumpty. Almighty God created it all, but humanity had a great fall. God had a son and sent him to men who redeemed and will restore all things again. There you go. Sobering look back. Wow, what we were intended to be, what we chose to do, and how that impacted our life, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put us together again, but God, he pulled it off. Soberly remember that. That's why we partake of communion. Yeah, we look at what he has done for us. We need to look at what we once were. We've been redeemed from that. But that's not all there is. There's one more act in the divine drama that God is unfolding. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. A sobering look back, now it's a hope-filled look to our future of being restored. I don't know if you noticed that the scriptures we've kind of gone with, uh, it's kind of like the first couple chapters of the Bible, and then the last couple chapters of the Bible, and all in between is the big story. First couple are about creation, Genesis 3, about the fall, and then the Old Testament and New Testament is all about leading to Christ, the redemption of Christ, and now the last chapter is in Revelation, in his story, is restoration. We're going to look at just a few verses out of Revelation chapter 21, and I'd like to read those for you at this time if I could. It's Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to read verses 1 to 6. And in your bulletin, those of you who are just right on top of your game go, Steve, you only went 1 to 5 in the bulletin. I don't know how that happened. It's the fall of man. It's just kind of one of those deals. (laughs) Revelation 21, listen to this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost in the spring of water of life. Verses 1 to 6 of Revelation chapter 21. Well, you start working through that and you start making key observations, which I hope you did. Spend a little time in it before you got here. I'll just throw one out just because I know everybody goes, now why no C? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I read a few things on it, but it's, uh, you know, I thought there'd be water in heaven. And and, uh, one commentator I trust says, you know, things are arranged differently as far as water. In John's day, C meant danger, storms, and separation. And somehow God's going to make water happen in ways that maybe it isn't those things. I don't know. But uh, you can study that on your own. So let's get that one off the shelf, Okay. Now let's dig into the other stuff. Who's writing? John, the Apostle John, and God is giving him a revelation. It's like he's being able to see into heaven and write down these things. Write down these things, for these things are trustworthy and true, God says. Verse 6, it, 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 it grabbed my heart. It said, it is done. It's completed. Okay, all this stuff, he's wrapping it up. It's done. And it reminded me of him on the cross when he said, it is finished. Man, he accomplishes those things. Done deal. And then God throws in. And remember, I am sitting on the throne. Our God will reign. He is reigning now. He has authority. 
Verse six, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Alpha and omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, but he's basically saying I am the beginning. I, I always have been and I always will be. Okay, I'm the beginning and the end, start to finish. I'm sovereign over all of history, creation to restoration. I'll bring it to pass. I haven't dropped the ball yet in history. I'm not gonna drop the ball in this one. It's gonna happen, it's done. And then you notice the different words, uh, different times that new was used, new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem, new everything. Now new doesn't necessarily mean new in time or recent, okay? It means new in form, new in quality, new in nature, new in character as opposed and contrasted to the old. New, I'm making all things new. It's interesting, he didn't say I'm making, what did he say, I'm not making everything new. No, I'm not making new things, I'm making everything new. He's not making new things, he's taking what was and restoring it to the original, new heaven and earth, restored, going back and restoring what God meant it to be, the original plan, it'll be Eden-like. New Jerusalem, restored. You can read ahead and see more of what it will be like. It seems to combine Jerusalem from this earth with the temple, with Eden, it's restored. A new me and you, our body, our mind, restored like pre-fall Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. New relationship, God with us, we with God like pre-fall days. I am making everything new. We could talk more about heaven and earth and Jerusalem and those things, but we wanna kinda focus on the image of God this morning. Human, humanity, you and me, restored. What does God do to restore you and me and those who have died in Christ? He restores us back to the original image. I'll tell you some of the questions that, that come out of this, and you talk with people, and some of the first things they'll ask, and I know I think these things too, so my image, he's gonna restore me, what will I look like? What will I look like? Um, you know, we kind of have an image in our mind what we're gonna look like. Are we all gonna be like Ken and Barbies <laughs> or something like that? Um, the fall has done such damage to us. I think if we saw Adam and Eve, we'd go, whoa. We got a picture of what beauty is, even in societies, different they have different views of what beauty is. But I think if Adam and Eve looked at us right now, they go, oh my goodness, the fall has done something bad there, I'll tell you. <laughs> but you look at scripture, you're gonna go, no, we're gonna be identifiable. It's gonna be you. It's gonna, you're gonna be recognizable. It's, it's like we'll have the bodies like Jesus had, as I understand it. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, he showed up, he ate, he walked, he talked. Unique body because it was made for eternity which by the way, we will have a form. We're not gonna be a bunch of floating spirits. Jesus was the prototype, the firstborn from among the dead, from being resurrected. Like I said, he had a new body made for eternity, but they recognized him. There was talking, there was eating, we're moving through life. That's the new body for the kingdom. Sometimes we only think of our body. Do you ever think about your mind? Sometimes I think we feel like somehow our mind wasn't impacted by the, by the fall. Because we got it all together, we know everything, don't we? Our minds are a mess compared to what they once were. And we're gonna be restored in our mind as well, a new body and a new mind, which we're gonna receive at the rapture. And boy, I, we don't have time to go into this, but I've got my views, and probably you've studied, I have your views of how that's all gonna sequentially happen, but as I understand it, the first thing that happens in the day of the Lord when everything kind of comes to completion will be the rapture, when he gathers his people with him. 
And the dead in Christ will rise first. I did a funeral recently out at uh, Mountain View Cemetery, and, and I thought, man, that's going to be one wild place when the Lord comes. Because <laughs> I knew a whole bunch of people that are buried out there. And they're going to be flying out of the ground, and in a twinkling of an eye, they're going to get their new bodies. It's going to be amazing. And then those of us in Christ will follow. It's going to be amazing. But we get a new body. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are still alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with the Lord. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to believers concerning the transition from this life to eternal life. And verse 52 says, In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and then we're changed imperishable, and we will be changed. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal, incorruptible bodies prepared for the eternal kingdom of God. goes on to say, death has been swallowed up in victory. Our body was originally made for everlasting life, and it's going to be restored to that again. And we will have pre-fall dignity, just like we've talked about in previous weeks. What will we do for all of eternity? Well, people, I asked somebody this, this recently, we had coffee, and he had a very spiritual answer. Um, I, I started thinking things like pheasant hunting, just to be honest with you. He said, I'm going gonna, gonna to worship the Lord. And I go, go, yeah, that's good. I mean, I like worship. I like worship this morning. But part of me goes, wow, man, can I do that forever? You know, can I do that forever? Yeah, hang on. But we'll have a duty there. He'll restore our duty. We get to work. We're going to get to steward the earth again, just like he plan at the beginning. We get to rule in his kingdom. We've got ministries. We've got things to do as he reigns over all. Plus, I believe we're going to do a whole lot of things. I think God's a creative God, and whatever he's got in store is, whatever we think now, it's going to be much better, just to be honest with you. And you can fill in the blanks there. It's just going to be unbelievable. We are so limited in our finite fallen minds to think of what it could be. It's going to be amazing. It's hard for a fallen mind in this fallen world to truly picture what it'll be like with sin and death and disease and all the stuff we're facing now and all that stuff isn't going to be. In fact, in verse 4, it says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And some versions say, he himself will wipe every tear from their eyes. Very intimately involved. This is God. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. It's like a reverse of the curse is what I see here. Sadness, God takes care of it. He will personally wipe every tear from their, our, your, my eyes. It's amazing. No more death. That came as, the, as a part of the fall. Sin and then death. The original plan was everlasting life. Christ's resurrection kind of broke through all that. Conquering sin and Satan and death as well. He was the firstborn from among the dead. He conquered the last foe. No more dying. No more death. No more mourning, grieving the loss in all realms, grieving the loss of loved ones. By the way, death is a real part of our world right now, and all of you have been impacted by it. Some of you very recently, and if you need some encouragement on the journey to keep things in perspective, which I certainly did and certainly do, we got a group called Grief Share, and we start on the 9th of October on a Monday night. Love to have you there. A few of us lead that, and it's a great thing. But we won't have to have grief share up there. <laughs> no more death. No more death. God conquered it. No more mourning. And no more crying. And no more pain. Real new bodies in a new heaven and earth with a renewed duty 
No sin, no death, and all that that brings with it. And look at this verse in verse five. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Oh, we think, what will I look like? What am I gonna do for all eternity? Will my cat be, no, that, we already know the answer to that one. <laughs> we all think about I, me, mine, myself. But we need to make a shift in our thinking if we can, from me to we, because all of God's people will be there. It's not gonna be just about us. <laughs> all of God's people, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for their redemption and salvation will be there. And we'll recognize them and they'll recognize us Exactly how are we going to look? Not sure, but they'll recognize us. We'll recognize them. There'll be representatives from all nations, all tribes from planet Earth, different denominations. Unbelievable. Recognizable. We're together. It's not just about us as individuals, about me. It's about we. But even beyond that, overshadowing everything in the scripture, God will be there with us. Some of the wording there kind of refers back to Old Testament, some of the other scriptures dwelling with us, tabernacling with us, with us. That's what he designed in the first place. He with us, us with him, we're living this life together. That's been promised all through scriptures. Different covenants have said that's where we're going too. You go to Eden, it was perfect. Man, God was with them. They were with God. That's what he designed in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17. He makes a covenant with Abraham and his people. I'll be with you. Exodus 6, 7, Moses, um, he talks to them, and it's right, be, right before the deliverance from Egypt, and he says, I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. All through scriptures, he's promised this. He's repeating this desire to get it back to what it once was. In Hebrews chapter 11, 16, the people in the past who lived by faith, God was not ashamed to be called their God, for he had prepared a city for them. It's coming, it's coming always with his people up to this point other than Eden in a limited way. But he's got this promise of restoration in, up to his original design. In the New Testament, Jesus comes down and spends tabernacles with us, dwells with us. And then when he leaves, what does he give us? The Holy Spirit of God, God with us. But the future that we're seeing here, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's what he wanted in the first place. That's where he's taking us in restoration. People, all of us in Christ, image bearers, dignity restored, duty restored. We're together. Relationships are perfect. Devotion now with God in its purest sense again restored. What's that going to look like? I love the song. I forget the guy who sang it. I can only imagine. I mean, I can only imagine what it's going to be like. But I don't think we really can comprehend with our fallen minds what it will be like to be in the presence of our Lord. And all that has been cursed will be reversed. Wow. So what? How does that impact me now? Should it change how I should live now? If so, how? I want us to take a transforming look at now with future restoration in mind. I love to hunt. And it seems like every time I pull up my binoculars to look at something out there, they're kind of smudged or something's goofy. And I can see it, but not perfectly. But we can see out there a ways, but it does impact how we live now. How does knowing that full restoration of our whole person as well as heaven and earth impact how we live now? I can't answer that for you. I know how it impacts me. 
I've been thinking about it, so I've had a head start. Maybe you guys think about heaven quite a bit as well. I've asked quite a few people on the journey getting ready for this, do you think about heaven much? And most of them pause just like I did there, and they say, not really, not really. And then we talk a little bit. But I've had the opportunity to think about this quite a bit recently. For me, gratefulness just jumps out of my heart (laughs) that God made all this restoration, redemption available to me. Blows me away. Very grateful. It also creates a recommitment in our heart and a passion to reflect him well. I want to end well. I want to live well. I want to live in a way to where people look at me and go, I see Jesus in him. That's what I want to do. I want to reflect him well as his image bearer. I am an image bearer of God Almighty, and I want to represent him well. I want to follow him closely. I want to love him totally, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to love the people around me because that bears his image well. Image bearers who need what he has to offer motivates me to share more with them, with all those around me. I want them to be with me when I get to heaven as well. It keeps me on mission. It causes great rejoicing. This is not all there is, you know? The best is yet to come. All the brokenness, the stuff that makes an existence on fallen planet Earth, it's all going to be gone. The new is to come. Man, look what's ahead. It causes me to rejoice. It's hard to imagine, though. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly and then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. 1 Corinthians 2.9 What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. (laughs) It's going to be great. So recently I was walking with my dog, and I I had my head down. I get up early, early in the morning. And I slipped on my shoes, and I'm taking this walk with my dog, and and, uh, I'm just out of sorts. And uh, my foot's hurting. I heard it playing pickleball. When can I get back to playing pickleball? My left knee was still kind of stiff, you know. Um, yeah, just, just, just not liking life right then. And I thought of some things that were coming up during the day, and there were some relational issues I had to help with with another church, not this one. Oh, I was hangry. <laughs> I, uh, I missed Janice, you know. I was tired. I kept lifting, and Fez is limping, too. He had run into a gopher hole recently, tore out his front elbow. I was ticked about paying all that money. and <laughs> Kept looking at him, saying, you don't know how lucky you are that I like you, you know? <laughs> Life on planet Earth, just walking along. And then I looked up. You know? Suddenly my thought, my heart kind of cleansed itself, and I'm going... And that's a sunrise on fallen earth. You know what I mean? Just lifted my spirits and it made me think things bigger than just with my head down, being jerked around by my dog. It's like, no, Steve, Steve. We got a creator God. He's going to restore all this stuff. This is going to be better looking than that. Heaven's coming. The best is yet to come. And suddenly there was rejoicing in my spirit, a gratefulness, patted Fez on the head, and we moved on. (laughs) So the questions are big around these things, but they're a whole lot bigger than, will they have accordions in heaven? You know, will my pets be there? Hey, there's answers to those things. What will my body be like? Will we eat ribs? You know? (laughs) Whatever we think, it's going to be better, okay? 
But probably the biggest question is that I want to make sure we all have registered in our hearts is, am I going to be there? Romans 10, 9, and 10 gives us a scripture. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Saved from all the stuff we talked about earlier, the sobering look back. Saved, redeemed, and restored in the end. I encourage you, if you've not made that step of faith, put your step in faith of Jesus. What other option are you going to use? There is no other option. It's Christ and Christ alone. Well, the end is near, and you could look gloomily at the end, or you could go, no, for us in Christ, it's like the beginning is near. <laughs> it's coming, man, and the rapture's going to kick it off, and it's going to be great. So we're going to sing a couple songs in closing. And one quote that I found in a, a devotion I read recently is, God will not rest from his redemptive work, restorative work, until every aspect of his creation has been made new again. He's going to bring it all to full completion, restoration. He's going to pull it. He spoke it into existence. He's going to bring it back. All right, let's bow our heads together. Creation, God created all things, created us in the image of God. Man made a choice in the perfect setting to go against God, and literally all hell broke loose. But God didn't leave us there. We couldn't put ourselves together. Nobody could. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Redemption. Bought back. Price was paid. Rescued. The dominion of evil. But that's not the end of it. <laughs> Everything's going to be restored again. So, Heavenly Father, thanks. Um, it's hard for us to picture these things in our limited, fallen minds here on a limited fallen planet. But you who spoke the world into existence are going to pull it off again. Your words are trustworthy and true. And we believe because you don't deceive. We love you. We pray for every person here today, including myself, that we'd be able to live in a victorious stance in this fallen world. I pray if there's anybody here today who has not put their faith in Jesus, the only means of redemption and restoration, I pray that they would. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.